NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 702. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Andy, good to be back on the air with you. It's been a little while. Yeah. Uh, we're both in the same place at the same time. How about that? Hasn't happened, uh, what, did we do it one time during the playoffs? I don't think it's happened actually since we did, the playoffs we started. We previewed the Oklahoma City Thunder series right, right after the end of the, the year. Uh, and then since then, we've either not had the show or, uh, you know, JP's filled in while you were gone or I was gone. And so you need to, yeah, anyway, we, we made it work. Uh, Andy is the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. That's Andy Larson. You can find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. He's also the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, the true hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. I'm a host right here on ESPN 700 alongside Kyle Gunther Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 on Gunther and Ben. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. What we usually like to do when this show starts is take your questions, your thoughts, uh, respond to, to, to your comments. So if you have questions about the Jazz you'd like to have answered, we usually have a pretty wide open show, so we'll take them. We'll also take your calls, 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. Andrew, do we have any questions? Yeah, we've got a couple to, to go ahead and start it. Uh, Book of Zook, BZ, asks, who do you think the Jazz could or would target if they move some of their expirings in this summer? Uh, he lists off Alec Burks, who's not an expiring, I guess he's is expiring. expiring as but of is guaranteed. Now, yeah. But is guaranteed. Tabo, Ekpe, Jonas, those guys are non-guaranteed. Really valuable year. in that sense because you can trade them yeah. to somebody who doesn't want to pay any money and just dump a $10 million contract, or you can keep them on for a year, and then you could probably still trade them at the deadline as expiring contracts. And all three guys could probably help a team that's trying to make a playoff chase. Yeah, that, that's the thing is not, none of them are like obviously negative value. So, uh, And I actually want to talk a little bit more about those decisions later on in the show in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, but to answer BZ's question, or do you guys think they're more all in for saving that space for 2019? Here's what I tell our listeners to do, including BZ. Go to saltcityhoops.com. Yes, I use it I use it this morning. And there's a 2018 free agency cap space calculator. It's right there in one of the tabs at the top. It's you can't top, miss it. Yeah. And so what you do is you go in and fill in, all right, who are you going to keep and who are you going to uh, trade or, or waive on this roster? So are you, if you're going to waive Tabo, if you're going to waive... Uh, Ekpe, if you're going to waive Jonas, are you going to keep Derek Favors in that scenario? Okay, how much are you going to pay Favors? How much are you going to pay Howell Neto, who is also a free agent? How much are you going to pay Dante Exum, who is also a free agent? And you start to to make these wavings, and, uh, and, and I'll tell you this much. the If you let everybody go, you still ha- don't have that much cap space. You know, you, you've got the 20 to $30 million, which is... Which is a lot, but then you need to fill seven or eight spots on the roster. Right, you're going to have five spots for sure. You need to fill, even if you bring back Dante Exum at seven million bucks a year or something yeah. like that. And you have to get players who can actually play. You know, just because you're losing Tavo Cephalosha, Jonas Jerebko, and Ekbeudo doesn't mean okay, that's free money now because you have to replace the minutes that those guys played. And those guys yeah. probably logged combined. They play a thousand minutes this year. I mean, they, those guys played a lot. Probably those more three combined. Yeah. yeah. So that the, you got to pay for that. You got to pay for those minutes. Yeah, so I, I I would uh, ask all of you guys kind of maybe not before asking ans- asking your questions because I'm happy to answer whatever you've got, but just kind of get an idea of what the choices the Jazz are are facing out there, uh, and kind of realize that maybe you know we're talking more about mid level guys than top of the line uh, contracts, and then from there I think you you start to think about okay what will the contracts the Jazz sign this year mean for their financial future. Uh, so that would be, you know, if if you're signing, let's say you sign 
uh, Dante Exum and Derek Favors to three-year deals at $10 million a year each. You know, I'm making those numbers up. Sure. But that means all of a sudden you don't really have that much cap space in the summer of 2019 either. And that disqualifies you from maybe a Kawhi Leonard search or a Clay Thompson signing or something like that. Uh, and you kind of go down the line and realize that your decisions this summer have a lot of consequences. And so in a lot of ways, it, it may make sense to just kind of roll it back uh, and with some uh, contracts that are, are shorter term rather than longer term and, and maintain flexibility for years to come. That's not to say you can't go out and improve the team. I think there are some really, actually, really nice pieces you can sign with the mid-level exception, uh, but you just have to be able to know what that means for the future of the team. And Yeah, because that's money that gets spent, and once it's spent, you don't have that money coming up in 2019. And that could be a potential issue for the Jazz because the Jazz want to have money there. But there's a lot of interesting names this offseason. Will Barton is one you've talked about quite mm-hmm. a bit. J.J. Redick is a name I think would make a lot of sense for the Jazz if you want to add raw shooting. Uh, and, you know, he had his, he's coming off his best season of his career. He's 33. Yeah. But his game isn't dependent on his youthful legs necessarily. But if he's willing to sign another one-year contract like he did last year with Philly, maybe at a smaller salary number, but, you know, something that will fit in with the Jazz's plans. Sometimes I, I love imagining what Quinn Snyder would do with a shooter like J.J. Redick with that much gravity. I think uh, he would be a, a big boon to the Jazz's offense. Or at 33, is he a guy you say, you know what, we'll give you an extra year that no one else wants to give you, which is what the Jazz did to get Joe Johnson to sign here. Sure. So we'll give you three years, $33 million, or three year, whatever, three years at the full mid-level exception, which would probably add up to about that, close to $30 million, and say, yeah, it ties us up for a while, but it's a 17-point-per-game scorer who probably has to come off the bench, but that type of shooting, that type of gravity is a game-changer when you put him next to Donovan Mitchell. And you got to think about it, Rubio, Mitchell, and Exum, who right now are, are your assumed guard lineup next season, none of those guys shoot over 35% from the three-point right. line. So you got to add a shooter. you got to get those numbers up. Yeah, uh, and then I also think, you know, I, Dennis Lindsay talked about this a little bit yesterday and his end-of-season media availability, but you also need some playmaking. You need some, he, he called it ball security, um, and I think that's that's a good way to look at it. But also, you know, just coming off of those, you, you if you're having guys like Royce O'Neal and Dante Exum create in the playoffs, uh, they are going to turn the ball over a lot, and I think we saw that. Uh, if you have some uh, some more reliable playmaking talent, again, Will Barton's like an interesting idea. There are a bunch of different other guys who could play off the pick and roll a little bit. Then all of a sudden you kind of open yourself up to uh, maybe more efficient shots for everybody else. Uh, next question. Uh, Jake Thurgood asks, do the Jazz have any chance at Paul George? I don't think so. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think so either. I think um, it's funny because from a basketball point of view, it would make actually kind of a lot of sense. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great situation for Paul George. He's played in smaller markets before. The Jazz need another scorer. The Jazz need a, pos- a player that they could fit into that position. You could play him at the three or the four, whatever you felt like you had to do, whatever he's willing to do. And he's a good enough player that you just give him whatever he wants. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you take Paul George, and he's a good defensive player. I mean, yeah, he makes perfect he's, he's sense a, for Utah. He's a very good fit. Yeah, uh, there's there's no doubt about that. I, I again, I think his decision comes down to either L.A. Uh, and I would say that that is the favorite, given that's why he left Indiana was go to, to go to one of the two L.A. teams. And I think you'd have to say the Lakers are the favorite. Yeah. Uh, and I still think that's I th- his destination. And if not, maybe he goes to Philly. Maybe he does. I know that's the opposite sure. side of the world for him. But if he wants to be in a bigger market, and that's part of what makes him tick, then those both of, all those teams would make sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there are yeah, a number of teams that make more sense for him than the Jazz, even though that's a nice young core to join. Fit, 
Jazz make as good a sense as anybody, maybe alongside Philadelphia. uh, Style-wise, I mean, what he wants to live his life, I don't think it makes hardly any sense. Yeah, off the court doesn't make any sense. On court, you know, you get to play for Quinn. I, I'm, I think this is actually maybe an underrated factor with the Jazz when it comes to free agency now. Guys really want to play for Quinn. Absolutely. Like, he makes you better. He makes you better, and he's, he's likable. For whatever yeah. reason, it seems like he gets along with uh, players with that communication style that, you know, sure, you're getting texts at 2 a.m. in the morning, but right. I think guys you might have like a couple three-hour practices. Than, yeah, you might have three-hour practices. The the non Trey Lyles of the world love that right. Even you know Derek Favors joked about it the other day. Three hour practices, which may have been a shot at Trey Lyles. I'm not sure if Favors is that type of guy. Uh, it was for sure. Favors definitely that type. Okay, but at the same time, it's just like I think the guys who are serious about that being their profession don't mind having their job be their job. Yeah. If honestly, if you're successful, right? Like, how many guys are yeah. there that have been successful that didn't like practicing? It's basically like Allen Iverson. Uh. Right. You know, Richard Jefferson talked about it in that conversation with Trey Lyles. He was like, well, I'm sorry you have to work hard. Like, I'm yeah. sorry you have to practice. Bummer. The, the guys who have been around understand that's part, of the, that's part of the agreement. We get millions of dollars and get to play basketball for a living, and occasionally we have to spend three hours a day working on our off days. Uh, anyways, uh, more questions coming in. At Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. Yeah, uh, Adam Gray, at the 27 guy, says, seriously, how much fun was this season? Next year with adding LeBron at the four is going to be a lot of fun, right? Go Jazz. Thanks for your work this year. Um, I, I, you know, the question is, well, Jazz are not adding LeBron, first of all. No. But this season was really fun, and I think that lets us get into what we kind of have planned for what we want to talk about this segment, which is all these different players that actually had some pretty phenomenally surprising seasons. Uh, very fun season. We actually do have one more question. Oh, one more? Let's go uh, ahead and do Adam Marluski says, do you think the Jazz can one day make the finals with Ricky Rubio oh, as their point guard? Um, I mean, sure. Like the the Heat made the finals with Mario, Mario Chalmers, Chalmers, right? Like you can do anything if you have enough talent next to you, right? I think I I still think yes. And and if Ricky Rubio plays the way he did in the second half of the season, he's a very nice piece. And here's a non-answer answer. The answer is not no, but I don't know if that means it's yes. Sure, I, I like, don't think you're you're saying Ricky Rubio is one of my three best players and I'm making the NBA Finals. That's certainly not the yeah. case. But, I, yeah, it's not impossible to think that Ricky could continue to get better. I think he did get considerably better this year than we've seen him in the past. And if he can keep adding to his game, and you know he doesn't need to change the way he plays, but if he can shoot a little bit better, which I don't think it's insane to think he can continue to progress as a shooter over his career, sure, he, play, he does the things you want. He plays defense. As long as he's not turning the ball over too much, he does a lot of things well. Yeah, I, I mean, it, he had. I mean, obviously, he had a triple double in the first round. That that game was phenomenal. Uh, I, I think he's a nice defensive piece. I think he doesn't hurt you with uh, what he, you know. Sure, maybe the shooting hurts you a little bit, but I think he, sh- if he continues to shoot the same way that he did in the second half of the year, I think that's fine. He shot terribly um, in the playoffs, but I'm sus- I suspect that he? was hamstring related. Okay. I think he's at like thirty four percent, thirty four percent. He really did, because he had some bad games. He had the big triple-double game, and that kind of pushed his numbers up across the board. But Ricky Rubio, I think, was a guy who, in the playoffs, his numbers were not spectacular. Okay. Yep, 35%. Remember, his his game one against Oklahoma City was horrendous. He was 2 of 16 or something like that. And that'll that'll knock you down the rest of the game. Uh, All right. Funness of the season. The fun level of the season. I don't think there's any argument this has been as fun a season as... Maybe the year the Jazz went to the Western Conference Finals last with Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer and Memon Kerr, and even then, this team feels like it has a much brighter future because it feels like the potential is, I mean, uh, untappable. You know, I, I thought that or team... Or un- unsealingable. 
Uh, like Somewhere. 10 years ago, I, I may have thought that team had more promise than it turned out having. Right? Like, I mean, Darren was so young. It was what, Darren's second or third season that I think of the third season that he went to the, the conference finals. Uh, you've got a young Carlos Boozer. You've got a pretty young Memo. I think Memo was 26 when the Jazz sure. uh, that year. You've got Andre Kirilenko, who might become something and obviously had shown some stuff. Like, I, I, I really did think that that Jazz team had potential to grow into a, a legit championship contending team. Here's why I think that didn't feel that way to me, is because you knew Kobe still had a lot of time left. Sure, but and we know the Warriors have a lot of time left. I, I don't know if they have. I don't feel like they have as much time left as Kobe did at that point. Okay. I, I mean, I just think that uh, maybe I'm just being a dummy looking at 2019 as the year that that team breaks up. And, you know, breaks up means they're going to lose one of those players, not all of those players. I, I think for some reason this Jazz team feels like it has 10 more years to me. I mean, tens a lot. So let's say six more years. Yeah. I don't think the Warriors have six more years. The Rockets certainly don't That's have right. six more years. And I think that means that eventually this window is going to open, and Donovan Mitchell has 10 more years. And Donovan Mitchell is what we're talking about as your championship yeah. opportunity. That guy could be, I, I'm not going to say he's going to be Kobe Bryant as an all-timer, but he could be a top three player in the NBA in his prime. Sure. Like I, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter in the last couple of days, but someone did a game score, game by game, uh, comparison with him and Dwayne Wade. Right. And it's honestly spot on. Like the the averages, the the growth throughout the season. Uh Dwayne Wade ended up only playing sixty games in his rookie season because of injury. Uh but what Donovan Mitchell did in his first sixty games compares to what Dwayne Wade did. And then you add on the extra thirty eight games that, that Mitchell played and, and it's Again, just crazy. I also think the uh, NBA is smarter than it was then. I mean, you're going to get smarter play from Donovan Mitchell than you even got from Dwayne Wade, which is the focus on developing a three-point shot, even if he doesn't have sure. it at this point. You know, uh, Would Dwayne Wade be a better player if they had worked harder on focusing on making sure he has that three-point shot? It honestly wasn't even essential back then. No, maybe, yeah, that's a good point. But I, I do think Dwayne Wade also played in the era where you could drive and get a foul every time. Right, and average and, 12 and, free throws a game and 20 in a playoff series. And I think the I think the the officiating has shifted such that verticality as is very it's so much more powerful than it was then. Where even guys like James Harden we complain about getting too many free throws. I mean, what was the most he took in a game against the Jazz was it like 8? No, it was, it was more than that. But did, did he uh, have it? Oh, he didn't have of, like a fourteen. It wasn't twenty three. We've right. seen Kobe go for twenty three sure. free throw attempts. We, you're not seeing that anymore. And it wasn't it wasn't series defining, right? By any means, I, I don't think the the did the free throws really change any of those games in in the Houston series? No, I don't think so. I would say the officiating had a much bigger impact on the first and on the first round than the second round, where like guys being in foul trouble, sure. Stephen Adams or Rudy Gobert or whoever it was change those games i think in game two yeah you uh in in round two you had fouls and you you know you had obviously uh, like i think chris paul and james harden drawing fouls is obnoxious but it's not i don't i don't think it was unfair and and none of those games were close enough that it that it maybe really mattered uh all right should we get down to talk oh we have one more question here sure. uh, adrian minor are the Jazz better off without Hayward? What are Hayward's what's Hayward's future with Boston? Boston's going to have an interesting future because uh they've got all these young good players who are beyond good players. Yeah. Terry Rozier is really good. Jason Tatum looks like he's going to be a superstar. I was wrong on Jason Tatum last year before the draft. I thought he was going to have some issues adjusting. He hasn't at all. He's he's going to be good. a star. Uh Jalen Brown's going to be really good, though Jalen Brown's going to be the guy who I think falls behind. Maybe some of those other players. I really like Jalen Brown. I know he's dealing with a hamstring issue right now, but I think Tatum's already jumped him as far as, you know, what you think the future of this Boston Celtics team looks like. 
they've got questions about what they want to do. Do you, what happens when Terry Rozier next offseason gets offered twenty million dollars? Do you want to have that guy who's younger and you can lock him up and have him around for a long time and you get rid of Kyrie Irving and try and get several first round draft picks for him? Maybe. I mean, Danny yeah, Ainge is not a, crazy. He's a cold blooded killer. <laughs> he traded Paul right. Pierce. <laughs> you know, he traded you know this the most legendary Laker. Or, or a Celtic behind Bill Russell and Larry Bird. I mean, he just he gladly traded him for lottery picks. They're going to have to make that this, uh, conversation. They've got to figure out what they want to do as far as getting a big man. Al Horford's going to be making a lot of money if they want to re-sign him again, yeah. and he's been brilliant in this series. They've got to figure out how many wings is too many wings. And you would ideally, you could pay everyone, but truthfully, you can't pay everybody. I'm curious if, if they... I mean, I, I think they stick around for... Uh, I think their core for the next two years is, is great. And I think you actually can just keep everybody. Uh, maybe not Terry Rozier, but honestly, I, I would probably rather stick with Kyrie Irving and then you can find a different backup guard. You sure. Know? And uh, again, but, I, know, I know a lot of people talked about this. I've talked about it a lot. Terry Rozier is a name if I'm the Jazz and I want to, A, improve my point guard rotation. And I don't think Ricky Rubio is going to be the guy. Terry Rozier is a guy I'd throw a bunch of money at next offseason. Yeah, that's... If you can't get Clay Thompson or Kawhi's not a free agent, and you know you realize you're not in the conversation for those guys, I would love to put Danny Ainge in a bind and then force him to pay twenty million dollars to Terry Rozier. It's a good point. Uh, I I think honestly the Celtics are just set up really well. Like I, I'm totally they still fine have draft with playing. Picks. I'm I'm totally playing fine with playing one of those guys at the power forward spot. Right. Like right. I don't think you have to choose between no Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, Jason forward. Tatum, or Gordon Hayward. And play Tatum at the two and play Hayward at the three or whatever. Yeah, yeah that, like great. honestly, we're in a positionless enough era that it doesn't matter that much. I agree with you. I don't. I don't think it's the bodies that are the problem. It's the money that's going to be the problem. Agreed. All those guys are young and are, and rightfully so. We're going to want to get paid. Yeah, it, it's a different thing for Kevin Durant, eight years into his contract when he's got a hundred million dollar shoe deal to say, you know what, I'll take six million dollars less so I can play with Steph Curry and win a championship and and create my legacy. There's no reason for those guys to think about their legacy at this point. Sure. I, I, but, you know, Boston can keep all of them if they want to. So maybe they just go and say, you know, screw it. We'll, we'll pay $250 million. And, right. And, you know, if our revenues are big enough, if they're a championship-level team, maybe they just keep it. Uh, but are the Jazz better off without Hayward? No. I, I no. mean, are they better off? Let, let me be clear. The Jazz franchise is in a lot better place than it was a year ago. Right. If this Jazz franchise had Gordon Hayward, they'd be in a much better place. Be- better place than they are now. Than they are now. The Jazz are going to like having $30 million next offseason that they weren't going to have with yeah, Gordon it's Hayward. Be nice. But you're hoping to pay a guy like Gordon Hayward, and you might not get that. And, you know, if you had Gordon Hayward and you were like, okay, I'm sick of this guy, then you could trade him, right? right? Like you'd get trade him and get value back. Which maybe Boston does. Right. You know, maybe they want to add one more player. They would say, you know what, we've got five. We've got. Uh, Five quarters, four quarters, but we want a dollar. <laughs> maybe they trade four quarters for a dollar, and maybe they end up putting Gordon Hayward in that so they can get an Anthony Davis back. You know, they team sure. him, he and Jalen Brown together, or he and Terry Rozier together to trade him to New Orleans to get a guy like Anthony Davis. And certainly those conversations, I'm sure, will be had behind the scenes. Other questions. Spandex Pancake. <laughs> Is there a non-All-Star player you would sign to a multi-year eight-figure contract this offseason? Uh, I mean, if I'm not the Utah Jazz, Clint Capella clearly deserves it. Uh uh, I mean, beyond that, non-All-Star player, uh, I don't think I give that to Aaron Gordon. I don't think I give that to Julius Randle. I don't think I give that to Jabari Parker. Uh, I don't give that to, like, Tyreek or IT, you know? like. So <laughs> I guess the answer is no. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, mean, like, Paul George and Chris Paul and DeMarcus Cousins I are all All-Stars. 
Kevin Durant, LeBron James technically could be free agents this offseason. Obviously, uh, LeBron especially, but all-stars. Right. Uh, any more questions? Yeah, uh, I've got one. Uh, Giorgio Spinias asked a similar question. Will we go after Jabari? Will the books match our offer? Um, I am skeptical on the Jabari thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little... <laughs> he certainly didn't do a lot this playoff series to make you think you want to lock up the rest of your franchise by locking up Jabari Parker. No, and, and I feel bad for the guy because he you know, is coming off, a, of, off another ACL injury, and it's pretty clear at this point how long it takes for that ACL injury to recover. You know, there's kind of like the real ACL recovery time where you can't play. And then there's probably like six months to a year where you're not the same guy as you were before the injury. Right. And so we are kind of judging him on the two months since he returned and his playoff where he may not be that same guy. Aaron but Gordon. even in like the best possible world of, of, of Jabari, I don't know that he gives you the shooting and I don't know that he gives you the defense that lets you play in the way that Quinn Snyder wants to play. Uh, the injuries really concern me. I, I would honestly, at this point, if you're talking even dollars, I'd probably go Aaron Gordon over Jabari Parker. Yeah, probably. I, uh, I, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, Aaron Gordon, you know his athleticism translates in some sense. You know he can get out and help you run the point. You know he's more of a playmaker at four. I mean, Jabari Parker is too. Don't get me wrong. He's yeah. athletic. Jabari Parker's a better natural scorer, but Aaron Gordon's actually kind of done it a little bit more than Jabari has. I worry about Jabari's attitude. Yeah. He doesn't want to play next to Giannis. Like everyone wants to play next to Giannis. And and there is a sense that that relationship is done from from things I've heard around the Bucks uh that you know they don't they they may have to move on from Jabari Parker just because Jabari was upset with his role during these playoffs. Uh the Bucks were kind of upset with how he took that and how he handled uh you know exactly playing the the luxury of playing next to Giannis. So it seems like he may be on another team next year. I just don't know that it makes sense to give that money again, and it's long-term money, so you're hurting yourself in 2019 and 2020 and 2021 uh, to Jabari Parker. Now, if you could get him for $10 million a year, get him for $10 million a year. If it's $25 million a year, say thanks, but no thanks. And and if you're giving him for $10 million a year, then the Bucks match it, and they just, you know, they trade him six months later. Uh, Guy Andrews on Twitter, kind of following that up, says, I've kind of jumped off the Jabari bandwagon. Can you guys discuss why he would or wouldn't be a fit with the Jazz? Uh, just again, it, yeah. going back to that point, the idea that he's six foot nine is a big bodied player, uh, can probably abuse you if you're getting switches with the Jazz. He's not big enough to play center. You won't ever play him at the five, but if he's shooting the three and shooting it well, he makes a ton of sense. Yeah, he's he's a, a modern four, you know, in terms of body and in terms of that athleticism, in terms of some of the, the skills that he has. Uh, it's just. The, the three-point shooting is a real question. Yep. And then the defense is the, a real Honestly, question. I think the defense is the bigger part. Whereas if, if he's not giving the effort and he doesn't have the athleticism uh, that he, he honestly, he showed, he turned off at times during the season. And and as much as you you can say, hey, Rudy Gobert would cover up for those mistakes, that's not how the Jazz play defense. The Jazz play five-man defense. And we saw, you know, when Joe Johnson was bad at the beginning of the season, how much having one bad defender hurts you. It, it it really hurts you a lot. I mean, even like a guy like Jonas Jerebko, who I think is somewhat below average, hurts your team defense Well, look at how the Jazz were able to pick on Carmelo Anthony and basically sure. win a playoff series because of it. Well, Jabari Parker might be that level of defensive player. I think that's the one thing uh, that we've learned over the last few years of basketball is if you've got a mismatch that you can exploit on either offense or defense, the playoffs are when that's going to be exploited and you're just you're just killed you know if you're Memphis with Tony Allen you're killed you know it's it's just 
you you can't have a that much of a detriment on the floor and and Jabari Parker was that guy during the playoffs. We'll keep taking your questions at Andy B Larson on Twitter. At Ben's Hoops on Twitter, you can tweet at us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get more to your questions. We do have a couple more lined up here, Dave. We're going to answer your question. So if you're uh, listening, make sure and stick around. We'll get back to it. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. This is the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. After sweeping the right here, this is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, 731. Andy Larson's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. Managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, which is the uh, True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. I'm a co-host here on Gunther and Ben, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday. I am Ben Anderson. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Tweet at Andy at Andy B. Larson. We do love answering your questions. Tweet them at us. Uh, tweet them at us or you can give us a call, 877-353-0700. Dave Huggard on Twitter. D underscore hug. Do you think the Jazz can keep both Exum and Favors and still have enough room to go after a wing? Follow-up question, who are some realistic wing targets? Yeah, uh, great question. So the answer is yes, basically. And it's not that you have cap space to do that. You have the ability to use a mid-level exception. And the mid-level exception for non-taxpaying teams, which I believe the Jazz would be if they signed both Favors and Exum, uh, would be is about $8.5 million. Um, so you're looking at wings in that range. And this is honestly what, what Dave points out is, is a very realistic option for how this offseason could turn out. Uh, and so there, there are a bunch of different options there. Um, Luke Bamute uh, of the Rockets, they're going to have an interesting choice on whether or not they can keep... What? <laughs> Luke Bamute? Yeah. That guy? What? That's a... Well, okay, tell Him? me... Why you're out on... Because why... he can't shoot. Because he can't do anything He's I like. He's fine. Yeah, I just don't want him. you got to give a reason. <laughs> this isn't No, like, he can't shoot. I don't give a reason he basketball show. He sucked in the uh, the he... series against the, uh, against the Jazz when he was playing yeah, for the Clippers. Yeah, because his shoulder was hurt. Great. He was a 39% shooter for the last three years. Okay. From three? Yeah. Luke and Bamute? Yeah. The Prince? Luke Richard and Bamute. We're talking about the we're talking about Luke Richard and Bamute or just Luke and Bamute. Look, like I get <laughs> I honestly the, didn't know he shot thirty. Him. I didn't know he shot thirty nine percent from three. Maybe I mean, I'm, I, way I'm off. pulling thirty nine out of you know, I know you know where. Yeah. So I'm looking it up. It so thirty nine percent from three last year, thirty six point four percent this year. What's he career? Uh career thirty three. So that's bad. Okay. Last two years has gotten, but gotten better. If you're signing one of those two guys from, if if you're putting the Rockets in a bind and you're signing one of their wings, Ariza is the wing you want. Trevor Ariza is older though. Better. Yeah, you're not signing these guys for five year deals. Sure, right? Okay. You're getting two years. You get two years out of Ariza at a good price. Okay, like I was gonna, I was gonna say Trevor Ariza. Well, you came up with Luke Mbamute first. I don't know, <laughs> I because he might be the more realistic guy. He has a much more, especially if you're signing favors in Exum. Yeah, and, and honestly, he's like, going to cost way less than than Ariza. I think probably, and then also, if you're Houston and you're choosing which one of those two guys to keep, you're probably choosing Ariza. And the reason why they're in this this the Ariza they're in this uh, situation <laughs> yeah. is because uh, James Harden makes eighty eight million dollars next season. No, he makes was he, he he's on that supermax, so he's closing in on what thirty five and forty. Yeah, Chris Paul's going to get another twenty five this off season. More. Uh, Clint Capel, yeah, right. He wants thirty million dollars as well. Clint Capel is going to start at twenty million starting next season. Restricted free agent this off season. Yep. I mean, got Eric Gordon. He's going to get paid. You've got Capel is going to get paid. Ryan Anderson still making twenty five million bucks. It's too bad they don't have you know a lottery pick you can just take from them with Ryan Anderson. 
because that would be great for the Jazz. If you get the big guy who could shoot, yeah, you have to overpay him, and then you also get a lottery pick, you would take it. They just they don't have it. They've traded yeah. their picks away. They've traded all their young assets away uh, in order to make sure they can get uh, Chris Paul, which was the right move. And I kind of don't think the Jazz would do that again because of the not because of the $20 million this year, this year but the $20 million for the next year after that. Uh, that's rough. But um, actually, like Rodney Hood is like a fun conceptual fit that will never, ever happen because of what happened uh, upon his exit. Also, he sucked. Uh, and also, he sucked. So there's that. <laughs> that guy sucks now. Um, I, I think... Tyreek will get more money than that. Uh, I'm interested in Tyreek Evans. Maybe I'm crazy. And we talked to Gordy yeah. Chase about it earlier today. He said he's got bad knees and maybe that's not what you want. He's a guy who can score 20 points in a game and average that. Yeah. And it's kind of late in his career. You hope he's grown up. You hope he's done Zach Randolph in Memphis. You oh, kind I, of I, hope he came around and said, oh, I, I want to be around. I like this league. I, like, I want to be a grown-up now. Let me do that. I honestly think he showed those exact characteristics that you would want from a that wing option for the Jazz. I just think that he was good enough last season that he will get paid more than the mid-level. Then again, they couldn't if trade he him. Doesn't, they couldn't trade him this offseason. Yeah, well, they couldn't trade him for a first-round pick. Sure. But, but they should have traded him for, for anything because you know he's not coming back to Memphis. Okay, but that's Memphis's fault for being dumb. I agree, but maybe there wasn't this market out there for him like we had, like we would yeah, suspect. Agreed. I, I, I don't think there was a huge market out there for him, or at least they, they kind of... They hamstrung themselves because they, they said, we will only take a first-round pick for Tyreek Evans. And then it was two hours before the deadline, and they were, it was pretty clear that no one was going to give a first-round pick. And so it was, and then they were like, well, we don't want a second or two seconds for Tyreek. Um, and then, you know, the the ironic thing is Tyreek didn't play the rest of the year because they just held him out because he was tanking, uh, because they were tanking. How so, about this guy, my main man, former Brooklyn Net, also on the same roster as Tyreek Evans, Marshawn Brooks. Did Marshawn no, get a guaranteed no. deal? Did Marshawn get a deal? He may have actually signed a multi-year contract already with Memphis. I think it's non-guaranteed for the last year. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him a three-year non-guaranteed deal. My larger issue is Marshawn Brooks isn't good. But you could pay him like $2 million to sure. try and shoot off the bench. And look at Gerald Green. Gerald you're Green's out on Luke Bamute, but you're in on Marshawn Brooks? For $2 million. Uh, Luke and Bamute is going to get $8 million this offseason. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's yeah, a good I'll, deal. I will absolutely pay Marshawn Brooks $2 million. For the for the lols, as the kids say, <laughs> for the lols, I want. I, I'm uh, not trying to go for the lols. I'm trying to win basketball games. Okay. Uh, how about this, Marshawn Brooks? Seven games this season, twenty <laughs> points per game, three rebounds, three assists, fifty percent from the floor. Yeah, for the Memphis Grizzlies. Sixty percent from the three point line. Oh, he's a sixty percent. He all of a sudden he's, he's a sixty. The game. He's a sixty percent three point shooter. I want him. No. Uh, I think he was the best isolation score in the NBA this year. Uh, in seven games. <laughs> Marco Bellinelli is a free agent. Go away, Marco. That's uh, what Philly's going to say this offseason, too. I think Joe Joe Harris is an unrestricted free agent. Is actually would be a nice fit, too, but I think Brooklyn will keep him. Um, I'm curious what he gets, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, there are actually a pretty decent number of wing options that the Jazz can go to, and I think they... Uh, Mario Hazonia is actually another guy that we've we've talked about before this year. Super Mario. Um, young guy, had a pretty decent breakout year. Not, you know, anything crazy, but... Is kind of that young player who you could you could bet on improvement from. You may not want to give a lot of money to, but in terms of like giving Quinn Snyder and his player development staff a guy who can improve, Hazonia has that kind of athleticism that maybe you could see turning into something. Absolutely. Another question? Uh, yeah. Let's go with uh, Stephen Ronsley asking, some shade a few times thrown at Trey Lyles this year. Did he not get along with the team? Was there real chemistry issues? Um, so I, I wouldn't say that like he made anyone 
He wasn't in fights with anyone. Right. He wasn't like a disruptive person. I don't think the Jazz were dying to get rid of him. No. I, it, this wasn't like we're going to trade. The way Ennis Cantor, once he asked out, you had to trade Ennis for whatever you could get for him. The Jazz weren't up against the wall having to trade Trey Lyles when they traded him. Just the exact right opportunity where the Jazz felt like they were swindling, the Nuggets came along and they were happily took it. So it, it, it wasn't a Mark Jackson thing. It Do was. You want to explain that reference? Mark Jackson got in a fight with, actually tried to start a coup in the. 2002-2003 Utah Jazz, where uh, he basically tried to get people to be on either John Stockton's side or Mark Jackson's side in the right. locker room. He was telling Derek uh, 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 Deshaun, Stevenson. Deshaun Stevenson, excuse me, he was telling Deshaun Stevenson, this is your team, you need to be the guy next, you don't need to listen to what John and Carl and Jerry Sloan are saying. Those are important folks, John and Carl and Jay Sloan. <laughs> Those guys matter to the Jazz. Uh, yeah, anyway, Mark Jackson, awful person, um, by all accounts. He's a bum. Uh, anyway, Trey Lyles phony. was not that. It's, this is absolutely true. Trey Lyles was not that. Trey Lyles frustrated his teammates because he was so detached, because he didn't listen to Quinn Snyder. Uh, and honestly, for a couple of, like, uh, the him wearing a Kobe shirt in the playoffs kind of Irked made some people. people mad. Then again, Dennis uh, Lindsay was saying he's a Houston Rockets fan like three days ago, and I thought, come on, Dennis, you might as well put on the Kobe shirt. Yeah, I don't know. But Dennis has earned that, you know? Right. Uh and yeah, at I don't least think Dennis, has, played, about his uh, Dennis has worked for the Rockets. Right. Uh, Trey Lyles never played for the Lakers. Right. I don't know. Like I'm with a, you. And honestly, it would have all been fine if he did anything on the court, but he didn't play defense that year. He was selfish. And like all these things that the Jazz stand for, he was just not. He, he didn't have that buy-in. And obviously hated the three-hour practices. So it wasn't... Also an, got benched down the stretch in Denver this yeah. year. Yeah, he was a DMPCD uh, once Millsap came uh, out. Good... In the first half of the season, you kind of thought, hey, there's some stuff that, that maybe they didn't lose this trade so desperately. Truth is, they lost that trade pretty desperately. That's as bad oh, as you could yes. lose a trade. <laughs> yeah. that was, that's going to haunt them forever. Yes, absolutely. And Tyler Lydon is terrible, too. Yeah, we'll see. Even though I could see the jazz, wouldn't it be a very jazz move to go sign Tyler Lydon and have him turn into a player as being a part of the guy that they traded away because he's a big man who can shoot the I ball? Jazz uh, trade this year's first-round pick for Tyler Lydon. They did. And he comes in and plays next year. Remember when they gave Eric Green a 10-day contract? Uh, Eric Green was the guy right. who they traded for Rudy Gobert. Or Gobert. That was good. That was good. I love it. Yeah, full circle. Uh, uh, hey, can we see you do one? Can I throw out a, a <laughs> hypothetical trade, and then we'll get to some more of these questions? Sure. For a team that I think in the Charlotte Hornets that knows that they've got a bunch of bad salaries, I think there's a real fear that Kemba Walker is going to leave next offseason. Because mm-hmm. Kemba's a great option if you can't sign Clay Thompson, if you can't sign Kawhi, if all these big-name free agents in 2019 join, don't join your team. But let's say you have signed, you're the Lakers, and you have signed Paul George this offseason. Go give Kemba Walker a bunch of money next season. He's an all-star yeah. point guard. You're not going to regret that. And then trade Lonzo Ball for whatever you want. Uh, I think Charlotte could be proactive in trying to get rid of players. Agreed. Marvin Williams for Tavo Cephalosha, Jonas Dreb, Konek, Bayuda. So basically, they wipe three years and $39 million off their books for nothing. They get a they get a get-out-of-jail-free card with Marvin Williams. Yeah, Jazz say no. You, you don't think the Jazz would take Again, because Marvin of Williams. the 2019 and 2020 deal. And not, he's, he's old. He is old. He's, he had a very good three-point shooting this year. So if you feel like yeah. you can get a... I don't know if he can start and be a long-term starter on exactly. a good team. That's the question for you. But if you want some shooting, maybe Marvin Williams is a guy you could look at. I... To, to go back to... like. I honestly think from an overall player value point of view, like him versus Trevor Ariza or him versus Luke Bamute is a toss-up. Yeah. And you can get one of those guys on a shorter deal and not have to pay them $13 million a year, not in this cap economy. 
Like I I think Jazz say no pretty easily huh. there. Okay. There you go. Um uh, more questions. Yeah. Um we've got one Ali Kiabanchian. Let's go with that. Uh, what do you expect the statistical output of Donovan Mitchell to be in his second season? And what's a realistic ceiling for him? Uh, second season, I don't see any reason to not, you know, on a... Uh, certainly, he averaged 21 points a game this year, okay? I don't think 24 is crazy. You yeah. look at the guys who have scored 21 in their first year, like 24, 25 second year is is not uh, pushing it at all. Let's look at what he did in the playoffs. Playoffs per game, 24 points a game. Six rebounds, four assists. He's not going to average six rebounds. There's no reason he, for him to be even crashing the boards like yeah. he did in the playoffs. And, then, you know, everyone's trying to win in the playoffs. Go get yourself some rebounds if you have to get some rebounds. And you're bodying up Steven Adams. He's not going to do that yeah. throughout the regular season. But, yeah, bump yourself up to 24 points a game. Go get yourself four assists and four rebounds. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably play less than he did in the playoffs, too. But right, he's getting 37 minutes a night. So then you, yeah, you, you shift that down to 35. But also and, shoot better than 42% and 31%. He was bad from the three-point line. Yeah, and if better you start making form, yeah. I, I honestly think like 24, 25 is pretty reasonable points a game. Uh, you and then you hope number? that the, the percentages go up a little bit too. So that, you know, Except for his free throw percentage. 90% on four attempts a game. I mean, yeah, go up if you can go up. But 90% from the free throw line, if he can be that guy where he's getting to the line six times and makes all of them yeah. on average... He's unbelievable. Uh, he was an 80% free throw shooter during the regular season and went to the line only four times per 36 minutes. I think that's somewhere where he can improve. Uh, uh, Ali, thanks for the question. And you, yeah. And Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. I do have more. I, uh, can we, we do have to take a break, right? But sure. after the break, I want to talk about Donovan Mitchell's ceiling because that's a really interesting question. Let's talk about his basement. Or in his basement. I like that. What's the worst he could be? What's the best he could be? That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoops Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Broadway Media and Parks. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 750. Andrew Larson, Ben Anderson. Find us on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz. At KSL.com, odds are you already follow him on Twitter. You certainly probably don't follow me. Follow me at Ben's Hoops. Tweet at us. Uh, you got questions. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, more questions. Yeah, so we we left off last segment asking about Donovan Mitchell's ceiling oh, and yeah, floor. And potential Ali. basement. Uh, uh, you know, let's let's get to that after this next question. Okay. That's a good question. I want It, it takes longer to answer, though, and I don't want to miss out on this question. Casey Greer asks, is Otto Porter obtainable? What would it take to convince Washington to trade him to us? I think he'd be a great third piece next to Donovan and Rudy. I think Otto Porter is very attainable because of his contract. Right. Uh, uh, well, and, and more, more than because of his contract, it's not like he's not worth a lot of money it's that washington is not he's not worth that much money to washington who's in salary cap hell and is a team that looks just totally dysfunctional let me tell you about their 2019 2020 salary cap. oh i can't wait four players it's a bad start 107 million dollars yeah, right john wall at 38 bradley beal at 27 Otto porter at 27 and jan mahinmi at 15.5 Otto Porter this year made or, or averaged 14 points a game, just a hair under 15, six rebounds, two assists, 50% from the floor, uh, 82% from the three-point line, and a, a very healthy 44% from the three-point line. Yeah, and and here's what I have. I think Otto And we Porter know the Jazz liked good. him last summer. Yeah. And he's 24 years old. Yeah. I think Otto Porter is very good. 
I think it's hard for me to find a trade that makes sense for Washington that also works under the salary cap, you know, because you have to make it with your contract within 150% uh, of uh, auto porters. And so you have to give up. You can't, it's not just Jonas and Tabo and Epe and whatever. Uh, you have to give up, say, okay, like here's a, your trade. Joe Ingles. Here's your trade. Okay, go ahead. And this is the only trade I would offer them. And let me let me say this about Otto Porter. I loved him last year when the Jazz are desperate. The Jazz are less desperate now yep. because you've got Donovan Mitchell. I want to flex my muscle a little bit. I want to sniff around the yard to see who wants to play with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Quinn Snyder. Yep. And that might be more appealing. We know it's more appealing now because you have Donovan than it was last year when you didn't have Gordon. When yep. you had lost Gordon and you didn't know what you had elsewise. Here's my offer to them. This is insulting. Alec Burks, Tavo Cephalosha, Jonas Drebko, Ekbe Udo, and maybe I'll even throw in this year's first-round draft pick. That's the 21, 21st overall pick for Otto Porter. That trade works. Yeah, that trade works. Uh, you get you Basically, you waive all those guys, so they, they save $10 million next year, and then Alec Burks is gone after the season. They save another $10 million. I mean, they totally get out of Otto yeah. Porter's contract in one season, and they add a first-round draft pick. And I guess that's the question is, if you're the Utah Jazz and you have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert under contract for the next three years and Donovan for however long after that, do you use $27 million a year for the next three years on Otto Porter? Or do you think that you can sign someone else to a max deal? I think, personally, that I can find a better use of $27 million a year for the next three years than Otto Porter. Hmm. And it may not be in 2018. I might not have that opportunity. But in terms of actually winning a championship, which is the goal... I, I think you can just I think you can find a better use for that twenty seven. And I don't think Otto Porter is the third best player on a championship team. And if you right. sign Otto Porter and you already have Joe Ingles, you don't have the n- enough money to go out and get that legit number three guy. And by number three guy, I'm talking number two score because Donovan's your number one yep. score. You need a guy who can actually score the ball certainly better than what you're gonna get from Rudy Gobert. Yep. And yeah, they, you're exactly right. I think heck, Washington is showing the limitations of Otto Porter being your third best guy. Uh, but I would consider that because he's really young. I consider it. Yeah, he's a he's, good defensive player. He, he can sh- certainly shoot the ball. He's 25. Like you know, I think it's it's there's good stuff there. I like Otto Porter. I'm curious what he'd look like with Quinn Snyder. Yeah, I agree. I think he'd be better. I think he'd be you know maybe a 16 point a guy a, a game guy. Maybe more. I mean, he's at 15. He's at 14.7. He's a 15 point per game score. Okay. Maybe you can get him up to 18. Yeah. It's really good. It's a really good. I mean, the Jazz had Rodney Hood was scoring 16 points a game with this roster and can't score in Cleveland. I just think that you can do. I think you can do better. I, I, I and you know maybe that's the option that you end up going with, and that's that's fun. And and you know it's not the end of the world to be paying Otto Porter 27 million dollars. Maybe you can use that in a trade for somebody else. Right. Whatever it is. I, I would I would really consider offering that. I would go all yeah. the three non guaranteed deals plus Alec Burks and maybe a first round draft pick. And this is where tampering really helps. Right, like if you're, right. I, I'm pro tampering. Uh, tampering happens all the time because if you know, if you can talk to guys' agents and know who's actually going to be available in the market of 2019, and you know from various reports, there there are guys, all-star caliber guys who are interested in playing next to Donovan Mitchell and Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert. Uh, if you have a really good lead on one of those guys in the next two off seasons, then. That's where you. I think you have to save. You 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 save your 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 wad, so to speak. Uh, I'm uh, your wad of cash. Uh, yes. When I'm looking, uh, that's I would consider that. And actually, I wonder if Washington would consider that. 
Because there's not a lot of I people that are taking do. on $75 million in contracts would, I, right I now. I absolutely think they would consider it. You, I mean, they have to do something. And they get them out of the Eastern Conference, which you're, you're fine with, too. You only they're see not twice that good. a year. Yeah. They're not good right now. Like, let's they need it. to do let's something. Let's call Washington. Let's, let's call get Ernie Washington. right now. Get Washington on the phone. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to answer the question, what's Donovan Mitchell's ceiling? I'm more interested in what's his basement. It's coming up next, the Salt City Hoops show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, ESPN 700. Here at ESPN 700, we know that the traditional... To the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. Andy's the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com. He's also the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, the true hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Uh, I'm Ben Anderson. I'm a co-host right here on Gunther and Ben, 2 to 6, Monday through Friday, ESPN 700. And uh, you can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. Tweet at Andy at Andy B. Larson. you got questions you want to talk to us about the Utah Jazz or about the NBA, we'd love to answer them. Uh, do you want to talk Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, let's do it. Um, getting back to Ali Kiyakaban. Ali? Let's call him Ali. Ali. Good enough. At leap years ahead. Let's do that. Uh, what do you expect the st- statistical output of Donovan Mitchell to be in his second season and what's a realistic ceiling for him? We also wanted to talk about what a realistic floor is for him, if we're if we're being honest. Um, where do we want to start? Let's start with ceiling. Ceiling is, I, I don't know if he can be the best player in the league. He can be a top three player. He can be a top five player. I mean, in terms of, we, we talked about a little bit, the comparison with Dwayne Wade, but with the jump shot. To really be the best player in the league, you need to have transcendent size and athleticism. Yeah, and I really mean that. You have to have transcendent size and athleticism, and usually either or. But I, I think we're in an era now with seven billion people in the world. We're talking transcendent size and athleticism, which is when we talk about LeBron, six I, foot eight, who can play point guard, is also the best athlete in the game. Shaq, who was seven foot two and was a freak athlete, could run the floor, move his body like no one else we've ever seen at that size. Uh, you know, before that, we're talking LeBron uh, or Michael, and Michael didn't have transcendent size, but absolutely had athleticism that at that point we probably hadn't really seen. Yeah, um, and had obviously better size than Donovan. Right. Um, I would also add that in the modern NBA, transcendent shooting can get you there. Like I, I think Steph Curry was the best player in the league in 2016. Yeah, and and uh, I guess that we're not talking about the best player for an era. Can we talk about the best player for a season? He could be in an MVP conversation. Sure. He's never going to be as good as LeBron. No. Ever. He's not going to be as good as Kevin Durant. No. I don't think so. He can be above Kyrie Irving, John Wall. Sure, absolutely. You know, better than those guys and below Kawhi Leonard. And and Kawhi Leonard. Let's say Kawhi Leonard to John Wall (laughs) right now. I think he could have, like, maybe, yeah, a a bigger impact on the game than Kawhi Leonard does. Sure. And Kawhi Leonard is great, don't get me wrong, but in terms of... You know, I, I could see Donovan Mitchell hitting those heights in the same way. Like, again, peak Dwayne Wade. And understand this. They're the most important thing in, in the NBA is one goal. Every team's trying to do it. Every single possession down the floor, score. Scoring is the single most important thing in the league. It's the number one object of the game because whoever scores more wins the game. I mean, it's literally how they determine wins and losses is by being able to score the ball. Yeah. If you can score better than the other player, you've got a good chance to be one of the better players in the league, and Donovan Mitchell can score at will. Yeah. Uh, did you see the ESPN article about him comparing him to Allen Iverson? Uh, I've, I, I've heard that conversation. I did not read that 
article. So it, it is a really good comparison, actually. If you look at how their rookie seasons match up, and obviously Allen Iverson was the number one pick uh, and, and scored in a similar rate with a similar percentage and all of that um, with a similar usage. And that's what's so unique for a rookie, right? As we've talked all season long about how many of the Jazz's possessions Donovan's using, how big of a role in the offense he's playing. Allen Iverson is another guy who had that and had the similar kind of output. In terms of style, I don't think it really fits. Uh, other than, I mean, I guess there's six one scoring guards, you know what I mean? Sure. But, uh, then you look at the success of the Philadelphia 76ers during you know, Allen Iverson's peak. It's easy to poo-poo Allen Iverson because we talk about him in Denver, or we talk about him in Detroit, and we realize this guy sucked. This guy was inefficient and bad right. at that point. He got a team to the finals by himself. Getting a team to the finals by yourself is a really big deal. If you can't get a guy to the final, if you can't get your, if you can get your team to the finals as the best player on your team by an enormous margin, and that's not saying he was so good and everyone else was so bad, or, or he was so good, so much better than everyone else. It means that he had a terrible roster around him. I apologize. Let me say that again. Allen Iverson was the best player on his team by a huge margin, not because they had great players and they had LeBron James. He was a very good player, and you know Eric Snow was their other good player. Dikembe Mutombo was their other good player. Matt Geiger was their other good player. Horrible, horrible basketball, not horrible, but not great <laughs> basketball yeah. players, and he got them to the finals. And in particular, the other thing you can kind of hope to match up against with with the Sixers is having the the defense, right? Like the the 76ers' best quality was that they were a top five defensive team, and that's what the Utah Jazz project to be for the next four or five, however long Rudy Gobert's good years. Uh, and, and honestly, Rudy Gobert is probably better than like Dikembe Mutombo, even with with the Sixers. Sure, yeah, uh, with the Sixers, yeah, and so. Like I, I think this this paragraph is actually really interesting. He says Rudy Gobert is quite unquestionably superior to either Theo Ratliff or midseason uh, Dikembe Mutombo. Rubio is a rich man's Eric Snow, uh, and honestly, in a an admittedly much different league today, Joe Ingles is leaps and bounds a superior spacer than anyone else on the on the 76ers roster. Like you can imagine, if the the Jazz kind of keep up with that pace, the Jazz could see themselves be a Finals team. Now, uh. I think it's not enough, right? That's that's kind of a it's also kind of a limiting comparison because of that because you know right now if the Sixers are in the same conference with the Houston Rockets or the Golden State Warriors, they don't get to the finals. Correct. And that's where the Jazz find themselves. The league's now. better, conferences are better, super teams are better. There was no super teams at that point when he was playing. Right. You had more parity. Uh so, yeah. I I could buy that. You know, Allen Iverson that was an MVP. Yeah. It's not uh, crazy yeah, to think. I think I think Donovan could be an MVP, maybe not like the era defining player that like the LeBron, the Shaq, um, you know, those kind of guys can be. Uh basement? I'd say Damian Lillard. I, I Damian think Lillard this year, I think you could you could easily see him being that type of player. Yeah. And I, I would be surprised if he wasn't at least that good. I I think he could be worse. Huh. Okay. You know, like there's uh maybe that's pessimistic of me and harsh but like there's a world in which donovan never really figures out how to teams kind of realize that they can just give him space uh and kind of how the rockets defended him use length against him uh force him to take in between difficult shots uh and he never gets the jump shot to be a 38 percent weapon rather than a 33 percent weapon okay and that would be enormous yeah and you know i i think that's i i 
I don't think that's likely by any means. And I think Donovan Mitchell, you know, has a growth mindset and we've obviously seen him get better every game. I don't think that's likely whatsoever. But in terms of like, hey, if we're talking about absolute floor, that Donovan Mitchell gets figured out a little bit and then doesn't have the size to be, um, and he doesn't ever have the size to be an efficient scorer is, is possible. His uh, rate of growth or propulsion or whatever you want to call it, Dating back to his junior year in high school, so we're going really far back, that's five years ago now, has been this steep the whole time. I think if you go back and you can look, read Mike Schmitz at ESPN, who used to work at Draft Express, they talk about this kid who you kind of knew about a little bit because he was a freak athlete, but he didn't do anything on the floor to make you want to have him. To who he became his senior, because again, the famous story is he looked around his junior year and didn't find himself on whatever it was, the ESPN Top 100 or Top 150, right. and said, why am I not there? He said, well, I got to get there. And then by his senior season, he put his name in that conversation and then had an okay freshman year at Louisville. But he was playing on Rick Pitino's Louisville team. And then his sophomore year, he was fabulous and got drafted and never thought, okay, this guy might be a lottery pick with how good he is. And then his first year in the league, he's, I mean, in the absolute, you know, one of the top two runner in competition for rookie of the year candidate. Probably could have been an all-star some years. Yeah, in, in and honestly, as, you know, as one of the five best rookies we've seen in the last five years. So his his growth over the last four years, five years, has been monumental. And it, I, I would be stunned if all of a sudden that plateaued. Yeah. Because it's a work ethic, ethic thing. You know, it's it's a it's a he has the raw talent, but he's also got the work ethic to go out and realize it. It's not like that stops, and that does stop a lot of guys. And, you know, there's questions about Allen Iverson having substance abuse issues, you know, that stopped him, that piqued him. It's not questions. I mean, it was known. (laughs) Yeah. So I I would be stunned if that happened to Donovan Mitchell. Agreed. Uh, And so, I mean, going back to your point, so in the 2015 RSCI, that's the Recruiting Services Consensus Index, it ranks all the different, it basically compiles all the rankings of these high school players. Donovan Mitchell, after his senior year of high school, was 32nd in this draft class. With guys like Malachi Richardson, Deontay Davis, Justin Simon, uh, Diedrich Lawson, DJ Hogg, Dang Adele, Malik Beasley. I mean, all these players that are either at best decent college players, but not NBA contributors. Um, he's he's along those names and not along the best names of his class, namely Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown. And I traditionally haven't loved, historically, these late risers, these guys who started playing late and figured out the game. Uh, there's exceptions. Michael Jordan you know, was famous for not being a longtime NBA or basketball player, but figured it out, and then is the best that we've ever seen, potentially. Uh, Giannis started playing really late, got great. Yeah. Joel Embiid started playing late, is absolutely fantastic. Joe Anthony Davis. Good, but had this growth spurt and turned into this crazy good player. But you do have examples of those guys who kind of start late, and then the sky is the limit once they figure it out. And and he, he has some of those same attributes. Now, he's not seven feet tall the way Anthony Davis right. or Joel Embiid or even Giannis Antetokounmpo is, but he is a freak athlete with freak with freakish length. Yeah. So he does have some of those elements that those guys have as well. Agreed. And so, yeah, I, I, I think if, if you're betting on... This is weird, but I think the ceiling is more likely than the floor there, and I don't know if that's what you, you want. Um, and I guess there's like an injury. The ceiling for, is the roof. The ceiling is the roof. Yes, but like, if you're betting on a guy to uh, achieve his potential or not, and that's what you know general managers do every day. Donovan Mitchell might be the the number one guy I've ever seen in terms of likeliness to achieve his potential. Uh, because no rookies, no young guys watch all 82 games of of their 97. 
I, I'm talking about last year. Okay. So I guess sure. there were 90 whatever games, but um, 97. That Donovan Mitchell watched every single Jazz game from the 2017 season before he joined the team. Guys don't do that. When he said he's going to do that, 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 that was a comment. What I just said was from Locker Room Cleanout yesterday. When he said, yeah, before I leave Salt Lake, I'm going to go back and watch all 97 games or whatever. The Jazz played yeah. six in the first round, five, so what, and, 93 games? And I, I mean, I think that's that's wildly impressive. I'm more impressed that he did it before he joined the team sure. as a rookie. was like, I want to see how the Jazz play. I want to see how Quinn Snyder's system works. Like I'm, I don't. He's a junkie. It's not even going to be the he's same. A, he's a legit film junkie. Yeah. Uh, all right, look, can I do this really quick? Sure. Players in their first five years of the NBA over the last let's see, let me, let me see when I set this up, dating back to 2010. Uh, here's the guys in their first five years in the league that have reached. Oh man, I just screwed myself up here. Uh, <laughs> that have scored 20 points or more in a game. Okay. Just to give you again the type of reference of modern players who are doing what he's doing. And who wouldn't? Who of these guys is his basement as far as their impact on the floor? Lamarcus Aldridge did it at age 25. Donovan's 21. Yeah. Right. Okay. So Lamarcus Aldridge did it at, at 25. Giannis did it. Andrea Bargnani did it. Bradley Beal did it. Booker Devin Booker did it. Marshawn Brooks technically did it this year. That doesn't count because he played for seven games. Jimmy Butler, Demarcus Cousins, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Demar Derozan, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Paul George, Eric Gordon. Blake Griffin, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Brooke Lopez, Kevin Love, CJ McCollum, Victor Oladipo, Jabari, Chris Stapps, Derek Rose, Isaiah Thomas, Clay Thompson, Carl Anthony Towns, Kemba, Russ, and Andrew Wiggins. What of those names did you cringe at the idea of him becoming one of those players? Now, maybe Andrew Wiggins a little bit, yeah. and he's in his third year in the league or fourth year in the league, and he averages 20 points a game and might just be in a horrible system with a horrible coach. Right. Uh you probably don't They're necessarily... They're not really big busts. There. Yeah, you don't want him to be Brooke Lopez, but Brooke Lopez is in the league for 10 years. Yeah, and, and it obviously is just com- completely different than what Brooke Lopez is. You want him to be better than Eric Gordon? Yeah. But maybe Eric Gordon's his basement. Maybe Victor Oladipo's his absolute basement, and those two guys are very good players. And again, they were just not even in the same ballpark as Donovan Mitchell as a rookie. Yeah. I mean, their starting point was nowhere similar to what you've already seen from Donovan Mitchell. Agreed. So when you're talking about basement, if those guys are the basement, he would probably have to regress to get to those levels. So yeah. if this is his basement... Like I, Donovan Mitchell is better than Eric Gordon. Who said... Was it Fred Katz who tweeted this out? Or, or maybe it was... I think it was Fred Katz. He said, the scary thing about Donovan Mitchell is this is probably the worst he's ever going to be. Right. Shaq said that same thing on, on Inside the NBA. He said, what's crazy is this is, this is the least efficient you're going to see him play. You know, this is the least good he's going to be in a playoff series maybe at any point in his career and he's averaging 24 points over a series and and it's actually won you games by himself you know like i i mean this is an obvious point to make but the jazz don't win the okc series without donovan Mitchell. right right now i don't know if he was their best player or most impactful player you could argue that rudy was in that first series and i don't i think you have a very good argument because he took stephen adams and russell westbrook out of the series that's good but yeah this is a this is a very good basketball team and donovan was probably the jazz best player against houston yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, we do have some questions. At Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. You want to get involved? Let's hear from you. Yeah, Brendan Whiteside's asked, first of all, uh, do you think we'll be able to have the jazz games on streaming services for cord cutters next year? <laughs> this is just your thing. This, this is, is my, your uh, specialty. Like I, I made the mistake of reporting on it. No, I I, th- I reported on it because I've it got matters all the stories. a ton to I've got fans. all the stories. I just don't report on them because um, I don't want this nonsense. We've <laughs> got all the inside info. Ah. Just don't want to get all those tweets. Smart. No, I, I like reporting this kind of stuff. Um, the NBA again is putting pressure and the jazz are putting pressure on AT&T Sportsnet, who continue to be the only regional service, t- uh, provider network 
that doesn't do this. Doesn't do this. And yet, AT&T Sportsnet has been through like three different acquisitions over the last four years and honestly just can't get their act together enough um, to, to figure figure it out. It's, it is embarrassing. They should, they're bad and they should feel bad. Um, and so like, while I could say, even if they told me, yes, it's going to happen by next year, I wouldn't believe them because they're bad at doing things. Okay. Is that harsh enough? It's very harsh. They Call deserve a whole it. company. They won't. They also won't answer my calls, so I'm out on them. Had a rough week, also. Spending money in weird places. Yeah, that they're not supposed to be spending money. AT and T, not AT and T Sports. Love right. the people <laughs> at AT and T Sports. Uh, Bowler, great. JP rolls his eyes at me. Uh, uh, next question. Next question. Gleb Gleb Gladwin points out, and maybe not a question, but we were talking about Paul George. Says Paul George's body language and interactions with many Jazz players and coaches suggested he admired the Jazz. Yes, absolutely. Right. You could say the same thing about James Harden, right? James Harden, after the series was done, said that the Jazz future is unbelievable. And Chris Paul. They have a great player in Donovan Mitchell. Sure, Chris Paul, same thing. They have a great coach in Quinn Snyder. They have the sky is the limit for them. I mean, we're not talking about signing James Harden. Like, Paul George absolutely admires the Jazz. I don't know if that's enough to say that, yeah, he's going to sign in Utah. I, in fact, I, I will say he's not going to sign in Utah. Maybe in a couple of years, maybe three years from now, if you know he goes to L.A. and it's stupid or goes to Philly and it doesn't make sense and the Jazz have this crazy bright future, maybe you get in that conversation. I would. I just think it's it's just a matter of bad timing right now. It's just too, Jazz have proven too little. Paul George wants so much, and rightfully so. He wants so much, I mean, things the Jazz can't offer, not just money. They, just, they can't offer Los Angeles. Right. That's what he wants. Is he wants Los Angeles? He wants the he wants to be home, right? Like, and uh, you know what, guys, want that's where home, your parents cool. are, or that's where yeah. your family is, and that's where your friends are. Fine, yeah. you know that's yeah, the, yeah. The I, I don't think offer we that. should be upset for him at, at choosing like that. LeBron went back to Cleveland, yeah, because he wanted home. Cleveland, the worst city in America. <laughs> yeah. Next tweets. Uh, Philadelphia is the worst. City. You think Philly's worse? JP. The city of brotherly love. Never been to Philly, so I don't know. Oh, I've been to St. Louis. It was miserable. Spent eight. I spent. I spent a uh, a year in in St. Louis one weekend. Barbecue though. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia is bad because ninety percent of their stores are have tires in them. They they That's, sell a lot of tires. Bad? I love tires. Nobody likes tires. Every they car sell needs other tires. Too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You uh, don't. You don't even know how to change a tire. I've changed at least a tire in my life. Next one question. Uh, let's see. All right, another Brandon Whiteside's question. If you had the choice to choose between one-time All-Star Gordon Hayward or a real Alpha Futures superstar Donovan Mitchell, well, okay, you choose Donovan it's Mitchell. It's a lopsided question, Brandon. Yeah. He also Thanks, says, Brandon. any uh, personal apologies for Alec Burks and his fans? You know what? No. Yeah, of course not. Alec Burks... Jess still tried to not play him uh, over Howell Neto. Jess chose Howell Neto, who went 0 for 5 and had like a negative 17, and they would prefer to play him over Alec Burks. You know, I, I feel bad because... Alec Burks is like a legitimately fun person. Uh, he was great in locker room cleanup. It was, yeah, cordial, like, warm, funny. I talked about perspective since he's been in the NBA. I like that. I like that he yeah. knew what he was. You know, he's thought about it. I like that he's thought about it. So it's it's not that at all. Like I I think there is like some anxiety. You can see it actually when he's doing media. You know, he's he's messing with his hair and licking his lips and all that. Like there's, but I, I you know I think clearly he's also not a Good defender, uh, clearly does not make the decisions you want on offense at the rate that you want a Quinn Snyder player to make the right decisions on offense. And he was great in game five and great in game two. And I still think that, you know, probably is not 
does not have a long-term future beyond next year with this Jazz team. You just look at how Quinn Snyder is playing him, and, and it's pretty easy to come to yeah, that. Yeah, the conclusion. best news for the Jazz is that he may have made himself tradable this offseason. I mean, yeah, you can get maybe. another rotation player that does something different than what, you know, maybe you can get a bad stretch big instead of having a bad wing that you can't play. Yeah, maybe. Right. Like, that's that's real. Uh, I think Ilyasova is a free agent, but someone in that ilk of, like, yeah, a, right. that level of player. You can give us 15 minutes a game and shoot three threes in 15 minutes? Great. Better than Jonas Jarebko? Not quite as good as Ryan Anderson. I still don't think that that market really exists for AB because like two playoff, good playoff games is not a market make, but it, I guess he's in a better spot. Dennis is in a better spot with regards to trading him. Than, and than the best before. thing that happened is, yeah, you just, you already paid him half of the $20 million you owed him at this point last season. Yeah. Cause you only owe him 10 now. Tony Jones is calling me right now. What is Tony? Do <laughs> you want to answer? I no. I, you can I'll, answer the phone. See what Tony wants. I answer will, on air. Answer on air. That's uh, too late. Answer the phone. Yeah, he, he just hung up. I mean, the oh. just rang out of rings. I will text him and see what he wants. See, see if, if he, he wants back. to join us. See if he calls back. I don't want to. No, we don't need to talk to Tony. No, we love Tony. We love talking to Tony. We love. Yeah, I would rather know what your individual conversation is like with Tony rather than <laughs> have him on the air. That's fair. Um, we do have another question. Do we have time to get to it? Let's get to it. Stephen Ronsley asks, uh, Tony Bradley averaged a double-double in the G League this year. What are the chances he gets some playing time next year? Tony Bradley? Tony Bradley. Uh, first of all, dependent on Derek Favors, right? Like, if you keep Derek Favors, clearly Derek Favors is your backup five. Uh, Rudy Gobert is your starting five. Tony Bradley doesn't get very many minutes because, uh, honestly, you probably still keep Ekpe Udo, and Tony Bradley is your 15th man again. Um, I still think, watching him in the D League, he probably needs more seasoning. His NBA skill is his offensive rebounding, um, which is maybe not enough of an of a skill to make up for what he's deficient at right now. He's also still only twenty years old, right? Like, yeah, Th- this was a this was a pick I think for the Jazz where they thought if he goes back to college, he might be a top fifteen pick next year. Yeah. So let's get a top fifteen pick a year ahead of him being a top fifteen pick, and see if we can season him and make him an even better player than that. There's also a chance he's not that good. Right, because he was not great at North Carolina. He was okay. He showed some no, some he was glimpses, but again, he was he was eighteen years old. You know, he was one of the youngest players in last year's draft. Uh, I, I you know, I, I, and was a stat darling because of the offensive rebound rate and because he was so young. Uh, so I, I think there's there's stuff there. Um, I I don't know. I, I I'll tell you this much. I would not be happy with him being my backup center going into next yeah, year. Yeah, I wouldn't go into next year saying you don't need Udo and you don't need favors because you got Tony Bradley. No. You'll be in trouble. I do think that there's a world in which he can contribute if he improves this offseason. Uh you can also get good backup centers for, you know, a sack of hammers. Doesn't you don't have to pay anything. Udo doesn't make any money. Jeff Whitley was a fine backup center. He was a good backup yeah. center. You didn't pay him anything. Right. He was not guaranteed. And was a minimum guy after he was a good center. You know, like, there's just such a glut of bigs in this league that got, you could have guys like Epe, guys like Jeff Whitley for, for the minimum. And if I'm getting a guy who's playing 10 minutes a game, and understand you don't actually play a backup center 10 minutes a game. No. What you do is you have a three-rotation big, and that guy fills in a couple of different spots. But in case of injuries, someone ends up getting an extra you know, 10 minutes on average throughout the rest of the year. Uh, I'd go out and get Channing Fry, you know, and get a guy who actually has a skill set that maybe you can use in spot situations. And I know Channing Fry's not a great player, but he might have a skill set that you can put him out there and ask him to stretch the floor a little bit, and he can rebound too when you need him to. Yeah. Can you figure out what Tony wanted? Uh, he wants to know if we're going out as a group tomorrow. So it's appointment-based. Oh, you guys are doing not great radio. I haven't been invited. Nope. That's, 
Okay. You'll, you'll be invited. Oh, is there a group? There will be a group. Yeah. Do you want to talk about well, what it is on air? Should we wait <laughs> we till? Okay, we got to take a break. You can tell me what the group is. <laughs> when we come back, JP, you'll JP's be invited. JP, you're, you're invited too. Okay, this is the Salt City Hoop Show. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops. You know what we should talk about? Let's talk about the actual playoffs that are going on. Okay. We've still got a couple of good series uh, coming up this weekend. We've got good questions too. Still, so. we'll go get to your questions. ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk. Broadway Media and Park. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. We are always running for the thrill of it, thrill of it. Always Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. <laughs> Good backstory. 832. Uh, Tony just want to know, yeah, if we're going to hang out. That's what Tony, if you were listening to the show in the last segment. Yeah, we're going to hang out, Tony. Don't worry. If you're listening, uh, Tony. Along with JP and Ben, and everyone's invited. I probably can't. We'll out. post it on Twitter. Uh, tweet at us at Andy B. Larson at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. You want to t- uh, interact with the show? We'll answer a couple questions. We should get to the playoffs series, though. Yes. We've got some good conference finals. Uh, Brandon Whiteside, our other co host. Why can't <laughs> Crowder make a layup with his size? What's his. Uh, what, he can't jump. What is up with Jay's random pull up three bricks? First of all, he doesn't have great size. Not that big. Yeah. He's, he's a, wide. He's, yeah. Great shoulders. He's not that tall. He's got yeah. short arms. He can't jump. Yeah. Now, are, I like him when he's going downhill. I actually like him as a slasher. Yeah, I. he needs to be way more in control. Like, he just, he missed some layups badly yeah. in in Houston. But, um, yeah, so he, did Dante. he can't jump. You know, Dante can jump. He's six foot six and he has a huge wingspan. can't jump that high. He's not, like, a, he's not Donovan Mitchell right. as far as his leaping ability goes. But with his length and his size, he needs to get better at that. But, Agreed. you know, when he does make his layups, look at how good he is. When he makes some of those shots, he's fantastic. Jay's random pull-up three bricks. Uh, it is a balance between taking more three-point shots like Quinn Snyder wants him to take a lot of three-point shots uh especially when the ball is moving from side to side and the defense is sagging off into the paint eight to ten feet that's a shot that Jay Crowder can take that Royce O'Neal can't and it hurts the Jazz's spacing it hurts Donovan Mitchell when those guys don't take those shots uh what Jay's problem is is yeah the random pull-up shots that aren't as good and he needs to get rid of those. Jazz were really desperate to have a big man that would shoot the ball that would spread the floor and you have to sh- prove that you're going to be willing to take those shots. And I think Jay heard that and took the liberty of taking a bunch so, of those yeah. shots. He, yeah, he needs to shorten a couple of them up, but I don't think I don't think actually it was as huge of a problem as a lot of people think it was. I agree. And the Jazz needed scoring off the bench, and no one else was going to step up and do it, so Jay tried. I don't have a problem with people trying to do the right thing. I think Jay was trying to do the right thing. I have a problem with guys consistently doing the wrong thing and not trying to do the right thing. Yeah, the, the effort is a big thing to me. Again, that's like the difference between like Jay Crowder and Trey Lyles. You or look Alec at Burks. it percentage-wise. Yeah. Uh, Alec Burks, I feel like he's trying to do the... I don't know if he's trying to do the right thing. Like He's he's trying to, he's do trying to attack. Thing. It's, it's yeah. actually kind of the same thing where he's trying to be attack, he's trying to attack and be aggressive because that's when Alec Burks is a good player. Um, it's just that you have to pick and choose those spots better. If you want to feel better about Jay Crowder... Go to whatever utahjazz.com or whoever has it, Andy. I think you posted it as well at KSL. Uh, the post game or the the recaps. I know we got a bunch of them up at ESPN700sports.com. Go listen to Jay Crowder's locker room cleanup. I thought he said exactly what you want to hear from him. He talked about how hard it is to join a team midway through the season. Yep. He doesn't know what this offense still wants from him. He says he can't be a leader on the floor because he still doesn't know how to answer other guys' questions, so he can't really speak up. And he said that's going to change next year. Uh, which playoff series is better? Oh, I think it's Houston Golden State. I mean, that's. Easily. They're probably playing for the championship. I mean, this is the yeah. championship right now that we're watching. I'm really excited to see Brad Stevens v. LeBron. 
Yeah. Uh, it would have been fun to see Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid going up against LeBron. That might have been more exciting. But I love Jason Tatum. And I, I, it's hard to say that because I really didn't think I'd like him coming out of college. I, I mean, I said, and this is going to look really dumb, that I thought Frank Jackson might be the best player from Duke coming out of that, oh, yeah, that, that draft class. Not a good take. That's probably, well, let's see what Frank Jackson can do. Okay. But he's not going to be Donovan Mitchell. That's... And that was my thought is maybe he could be Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Jason Tatum, everyone's talking about maybe being Carmelo Anthony type. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Carmelo's, you know, made it to a final a conference finals one time. Jason Tatum's better than Carmelo, mm. and will be better true? Wow. than Carmelo. I don't know that that's true. I bet Jason Tatum's going to be a better player than Carmelo. Um, smarter, smarter, sure, better team uh, player. That's kind of yeah. How I does would he take deal with the... Jason Tatum as a rookie? I think over, and and look, Carmelo was averaging twenty points a game as a rookie. I love all the things that Jason Tatum's able to do. JP, can you deal with this as a Syracuse grad? No, I can't. And also, who's Carmelo's best teammate? <laughs> oh, Chauncey Billups, Hall of Famer. I'm fine with end that. End of career, Chauncey. Yeah, Billups. end of career, Chauncey Billups. He also had Allen Iverson on one of his teams. Sure, who's also good. I, no, like, washed Allen Iverson. Yeah. A uh, big question: Why didn't anyone ever want to play with Carmelo Anthony? That's that's a concerning thing. Big time concern. Uh, Huge concern. One of the best U.S. went to Olympic New York. Players no one ever time. wanted to play with him. Great, great international player. Yeah, Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Trevor Villalobo asks, I think the Jazz are in need of a four. Obviously, you know, that changes depending on Derek Favors' contract situation. But anyway, uh, if interested, you think Thaddeus Young or Aaron Gordon could be good fits. Maybe give Gordon a poison pill contract. Both could be interesting for switch defenders with a semi-three-point shot. Poison pill contract doesn't really exist like it used to. No. Agreed. Because you can only change the percentage of your salary so much. So you can't do, hey, Paul Millsap, we'll give you $40 million next, tomorrow. If you sign in Portland and Larry H. Miller has to mortgage the house to, yeah, <laughs> to honestly, be able to pay that, that was, bill. That was less about the percentages because you can still be like, hey, the contract says you can give right. X amount. of, But now every NBA owner is wealthy enough to deal with it like in a way that Larry wasn't really. Yeah, even at that time, I don't think anyone recognized what money was coming in, how close it was. Yeah. And if Larry knew that they were going to be billionaires in no time, and the team was going to be worth a billion and a half dollars 10 years from then, I don't think he would have had a hard time matching that salary. He didn't. Also, Larry matched it. Yeah, yeah and he did match it. Uh, but anyway, sure, I think there is a world that you could give Aaron Gordon enough that the Magic say no, um, especially because that franchise is trying to move on and is trying to figure out what it is. Um, I, I think maybe you could do that. I, I Again, as a good... I don't know that paying him that amount of money that you would have to give him so that the Magic say no is a smart move for the future of the Jazz franchise. Thaddeus Young is a interesting, in my mind, Derek Favors replacement if you can't re-sign Fave. Um, they do a, a, some of the same same things. Derek Favors is a, more of a five than Thaddeus Young is. Thaddeus Young is a better perimeter player, which is probably what you want in Quinn Snyder's system. He's not as good as Derek Favors, you know, in, in a lot of different aspects. Certainly not as good of a defender. Um, but I, I don't think that's crazy. I do think it's most likely that Indiana just keeps him and kind of keeps their... Surprising team together. Chemezi Metu from USC. What about him? He's an interesting player. If you're thinking about replacing Derek Favors and you want some things that he does similarly, but also might step out and shoot the three-point line and shot at 30% his, his uh, junior year at USC. So he's a little bit older, so that room for growth is certainly down compared to what it was. He's an interesting player. He's a guy that I would... Uh, he's not Jordan Bell. He's not quite that athletic, but he's he's really good. Chemezi Metu is a guy who's going to be available when the Jazz are picking at 21 that... If you think you're going to draft a player 
at four that's going to give you a chance to, or, or at 21 that could maybe play some minutes at the four this year. I'd look at Chemezi Metu. I'd also look at uh, Moritz Wagner, Mo Wagner from uh, from Michigan, who's a big guy who steps out, shoots the three, took his team to the national championship game this year. That's a guy I'd look at. Uh, Jazz, if I remember correctly, were in trying to get Mo Wagner to come out last year. We're one of those teams and decided to, to stay. And honestly, I think that was probably the right decision for where he was drafted. But apparently they've looked at stretch bigs before from Michigan, who's a kid who ended up going to Milwaukee that's not any good. Uh, yeah, he's not any good, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Jazz had talked about drafting him two years ago, and they ended up trading up. And, or, yeah, are trading are you talking this, like, Maybe last, it was last year, year? Maybe it was last year. Uh Oh, why can't I think of a kid? Because he was terrible. Because he doesn't play at all for Milwaukee. This is embarrassing. It's not that embarrassing because no one knows who we're talking about. Like five guys who are draft draft Knicks will go back and remember. Oh yeah, I remember the Jazz talking about that guy, and there were some rumors that he was going to be the guy who was going to come out, and he wore short shorts, so it looked like he ran really fast, but he really wasn't <laughs> that good. Uh, and then didn't end up uh, didn't end up doing anything. Let me see if I can pull this guy up. I can't even remember his name. I'm looking at DJ Wilson. Yep. Yeah. Mo Wagner's better than DJ Wilson. Uh, all right, we failed to do this. Let's take a break, and when we come back, let's actually break down these playoff series yeah. a little bit. I know, we got a little We're bit We're going to answer no more questions. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 846, last segment. Uh, he's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Follow Andy on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. Follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Uh, let's talk about the playoff series. What do you think about Houston's opportunity with home court advantage to knock off the Golden State Warriors? I don't think it's that great. Uh, I think they have real problems. Uh, I, first of all, I think the Jazz actually pre- prevented, presented a little bit of a blueprint to defending James Harden. I agree. I wonder uh, if the Jazz are unique, though, in a way that Golden agreed. State can't match. I don't think they can match Rudy at the rim, right? Right. And everyone says Rudy had a bad series because you look at what happened. It's just, it's really just simply not true. Yeah, I think Rudy had a good series. Uh, you just did exactly what the Jazz can't do. I mean, as much, here's what I like about Houston. The Jazz had the perfect blueprint to take it away, right? Right. You chased James Harden off the three-point line. They were pretty much limited outside of two big games, game one from James, game five from Chris Paul. Mm -hmm. As far as huge games go, they didn't give up huge games. They weren't killed at the free-throw line for the most part. You didn't go off on these crazy three-point shooting runs from them other than game one, I think it was. And they still they crushed the Jazz. You lose in five games in that manner. It it was a—you got destroyed. And the Jazz— pushed James Harden into Chris Paul, or, or Chris Paul and James Harden into Rudy Gobert. They said, oh, we'll just pull up at seven feet instead of three feet. Yeah, and they and they made it. You know, like, I, I think you have to give the Jazz a lot of credit for forcing the league's number one offense to change what they do, and yet you have to give Houston credit for adapting from that and still being efficient. And dominant. Not and, just efficient, but dominant. They didn't figure out how to beat them. They just dominated the Jazz. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that they were super efficient in, like, game four, right? Like, 102 points per 100 possessions, right. whatever. But James Harden had 17 points on 22 shots in the last game of the series. Yeah, He can't do that against Golden State or they'll lose. He's got to be really efficient, really Agreed. good. But I, I don't know if Golden State's defense is going to take the things away from those guys that the Jazz were able to take away. I think Houston's defense is going to be pretty leaky against Golden State's offense. 
Uh, you look at Golden State. What Houston struggled with defensively in that series was transition. And boy, oh boy, the Golden State Warriors, pretty effective in transition. Right. right. If you're having a hard time staying in front of a guy like Dante Exum, because you have to go a little bit deeper into your bench, you could have some issues against this Golden State team. Not that they necessarily have that speed, but yeah, you could find yourself in some real problem. And the Jazz were getting good looks. I mean, I never felt like... There were some times when the Jazz certainly couldn't score. I didn't feel like there was a ton of times when the Jazz couldn't have run their offense better than they were. I think Houston's really good at lulling you into think, hey, I'm going to go isolation here. Yeah. They're really good at making you think that's that's the best option, it's, and it never is, and I think a young Jazz team fell for it over and over. Agreed. And, you know, honestly, they just didn't have the talent. Like, at the end, you don't have Donovan Mitchell, you don't have Ricky Rubio, you're playing Royce O'Neal and Alec Burks and Howell Neto as your guard line up against Chris Paul and James Harden. Like, you're just... <laughs> You, right. You're just screwed. You're up a creek. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I I think this is... I, I do think that the Warriors just have uh, more talent, first of all, than even the Rockets do, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and I think that they do give Houston enough matchup problems if Steph Curry is healthy. If Steph Curry is 80% Steph, that's pretty worrying to me. And that's that's where Houston can get some... Uh, some real inroads, but in my mind, I, I think for you know for Houston, they need good Eric Gordon games every game that they're going to win. Um, he had one good game in the series against the Jazz, yeah. and that might be his only one good game he's had all playoffs. It's not great. Uh, I, I think Houston's home court advantage is not very big. Um, I, I think the crowd will be better than it was against the Jazz, but honestly, you know they'll it's be pumped not for Golden Oracle State. Is. But you were there. I mean, you can tell it's not. Yeah, it's not Oracle. Yeah, it's not Salt Lake. You just have a limit in like how much oil barons can cheer. Right, they're they're quiet people as a as a group. I don't. The know. barons are generally a quiet group <laughs> of people. Uh, ah, I think it's going to be a really good series. I hope it goes six. I'd be surprised if it goes fewer than six. In all honesty, I agree. Um. And, you know, I think a lot of it will be three-point percentage variance determined, right? Like, if Steph and Clay have a great three-point shooting game, you're not going to beat the Warriors. But if James Harden and Chris Paul have a great three-point shooting game, you are you may not beat the Rockets. And they were designed to beat Golden State. This, ro- this roster was put together to, to win firefights. They weren't designed to beat the Jazz, and they destroyed the Jazz. Yeah. They weren't designed to beat the Jazz. They were designed to go out and say, we can win a game 130-126. to 126. I don't think they were designed to be... I, I just think Houston was designed to be really good. Like, I, I thought that sure, they had they didn't the opportunity go to sign, go out and get Chris Paul. Right. They didn't go out and sign custom players that you say, you know what he does well? He stops Kevin Durant. Well, no one stops Kevin Durant. Yeah. You don't go sign a guy who, you know what he's good at? He's good at guarding Steph Curry at 29 feet or 35 feet. It kind of feels like there aren't those guys in the league anymore, right? Like Correct. you used to think of like Deshaun Stevenson as like this LeBron, not the LeBron. Who was stopper, the Kobe stopper? Like who a, was the guy that I, whatever his name was? Because he, he would just roll Kobe's ankles. He kept sticking his feet under Kobe Bryant. Bruce Bowen. No, it was even before that. It was oh. even a dip, more obscure player, the Kobe stopper. I'll look it up. Okay. You're right. You don't do that anymore. Guys used to get huge contracts. Uh, Might have been Reuben Patterson. Uh, let me look it up. But I, it is someone like that. But I honestly played for Milwaukee. I mean. What? Who signed Jason Collins because they could defend Shaquille O'Neal? Like, stuff like that. I don't know. It's just, that's not what anyone right. thinks I think anymore. it was Reuben Patterson. I think you're right. And, like, that's not a thing. Yeah. You know, no one signs Reuben Patterson anymore. Um, uh, who was the big guy who played? Was it James? It's not James Jones. Who was the guy who signed the horrible contract in Seattle? He had one good playoff series. And people thought, well, we got to sign big bodies. The guys just do this for Shaq all the time. Mm. 
you got a big body, you got to put him up against Shaq. You got to go get that type of guy who can give five fouls on Shaq. So you had all these huge, horrible centers in the NBA for a long time. You're right. That that type of guy doesn't exist anymore. You say, oh, they've got Steph. Well, we should go find a guy who can shoot, shoot you know, from 35 feet as well. Jerome James. You're right. Uh, so you go out and you sign Eric Gordon. That's yeah. that's your counter to Steph Curry. You sign Chris Paul. Yeah, you it's just not somebody better. who can actually. Yeah, you just say, well, we got to have top tier talent. Yeah. Um, I I I do think that you know, Golden State is is better. I uh, I know no, there's no the better question regular season. There's no question they've got more talent. There's absolutely no question that Golden State has more talent than Houston. Steph is better than Chris Paul. Kevin Durant is better than James Harden. Yeah. Over seven game series, James was better this year. Kevin Durant doesn't need to be great for 82 games in a regular season anymore. And he still was great. He just doesn't need to be MVP caliber uh, Kevin Durant playing next to the guys he's playing next to. Do you think Steph and Clay can cook uh, Capella in switches? I think that's a really interesting question. I, I, I'm I, Capella is the one point where I would look at the series and say maybe he can actually have a big impact because he can mindlessly score 20 points catching lobs and grabbing offensive rebounds and... He's bigger than Draymond Green is. Now, Draymond's nastier than Clint Capella is, and Draymond's good at getting low and using his size to grab rebounds, even though he's not six foot ten or, or nor a great athlete. You know, he's, he's a great basketball player. He's going to be the best defensive player in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Houston's going to need big series from guys that haven't had huge series so far. Now, they need Paul, Harden, Capella to be great. They also need Ariza to be great. They need Eric Gordon to be great, which you mentioned. They need all of those guys to step up, and P.J. Tucker need to ha- needs to have a huge series. He had a good series against the Jazz. He needs to have those seven of nine three-point shooting games, which is unbelievable to ask, but you're talking about beating the best team maybe we've ever seen in NBA history. Yeah. You have to have a- average guys be above average. I'm also curious to see if Houston starts helping off of Andre Iguodala, which is something that nearly every team has done against the Warriors this year. Uh, and honestly, that's something that the Rockets did a lot against the Jazz was just help off of that corner, whether that was Jay Crowder or Royce O'Neal, if Iguodala can take advantage. I think Iggy's, this has been the worst year of Iggy's career uh, and has clearly lost a step, and I He's thought old, that was a yeah. big part of how the Jazz were able to beat them in Salt Lake City this year. If Iggy, you know, if Iggy's not that good, then the Hamptons 5, so to speak, the death lineup is yeah. is actually, that's obviously very good. It's not... But it's 4 instead of 5. Right, they have four great players instead of five, and, and a weakness, and a notable weakness. Yeah. Uh, you know, injuries aren't going to be a huge... Houston's healthy. Patrick McCaw being hurt doesn't matter. Uh, then what about in the Eastern Conference? Brad Stevens versus LeBron. Uh, Is the team aspect of Boston good enough to beat this LeBron team? And, and the Cavs are playing well. I know we talk about LeBron a lot. They played really well in that series. Mm-hmm. Everyone did. Yep. Everyone stepped up. You found a way to beat Toronto. Kyle Korver was really fantastic. J.R. Smith had great shooting games. The only guy who played really, really poorly was Rodney Hood again. Yeah. And, you just and don't Rodney play Hood won't play. Yeah, and that, that kind of solves that problem. Yeah, I, I think the Kevin Love, LeBron, uh, honestly, Kyle Korver might be enough to beat uh, the Boston Celtics by by themselves. You just run those kind of plays over and over again. Uh, Al Horford might... may not be the kind of rim protector that you you need against LeBron James or, or you want um, and then you you probably have enough defensively to stop some of the the Celtics uh, weapons. You can go full hybrid LeBron from what you saw series one to series two, and that's terrifying because series mm-hmm. one was all LeBron forty point triple doubles felt like every right. night hitting they game winners. It. They didn't need that in series two, and he can be both of those things. That's a scary thing. Like he could right. conceivably just say, "Okay, 
the number one thing for me might not be winning a championship this year. The number one thing might be me proving that I can get to the finals again. Just being supernova dominant the way he can. And he says, I'm going to go off for 40 and still be the guy I was in the second round. How many games do you think the Celtics win? Two. Yeah. And they're in the, and the, honestly, that's that's huge for them. Like that's right. they're, that's they're playing really with impressive. Fake, they're playing with fake money right now. I mean, this is they don't have their two best players. Right. It's crazy. I, 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 that Celtics team is really really good, and I know Jazz fans don't want to give them credit, and I I understand that, and they're they are the worst. Bill Simmons is a you know obnoxious. Yes, but nevertheless, Celtics really good, really good future. And I like all these young players actually. I like Brown. I like Rozier. I like Tatum, and I love Al Horford. Big thanks to our producer, J.P. Chunga. Find him on Twitter at J.P. underscore Chunga. We'll be back with you again next week. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Spring football is done.